Dare to Dream with Debbie Dashinger. Welcome to Dare to Dream. This is Debbie Dashinger. I'm very excited to tell you I just returned from Denver, Colorado, where this show, Dare to Dream, received the Best Radio and Podcast Award from the Coalition of Visionary Resources for Mind, Body, Spirit. Mind, Body, Spirit is actually their only category. Uh, But I was really so proud to be there among some amazing authors, music people like Jonathan Goldman and Stephen Halpern and so on and so forth. Real notable people. It was quite an honor. And I just thank you guys so much for being with me all these years and helping make these things happen. The show has also been nominated for Two People's Choice Podcast Awards for a Webby Award and is listed in the Welp magazine for one of the top 20 best podcasts to listen to this year. This show today is going to feature a special guest, Alan Steinfeld, who also does what I do out in the world and much, much more. And today, Alan's going to be offering us multiple perspectives on what can no longer be denied that UFOs and their occupants are indeed visiting our world. A big thanks to our sponsors, that's Dr. Dane here and Access Consciousness. They do amazing energy work out in the world. So if you would like to become a facilitator or if you would like to learn how to give bar sessions, one of their energy healing techniques, or go to one of their workshops anywhere in the world, go to drdanehere.com as well as accessconsciousness.com. I'm Debbie Dashinger, and I teach business people and entrepreneurs and healers and speakers the highly effective steps to write an engaging book. I am a book coach. I also have a company that takes books to a guaranteed international bestseller. I do all the heavy lifting for the author. And the last leg of the visibility that I share out in the world is how to be interviewed on radio and podcasts in 60 days or less and get massive results. If you would like to learn how to be more visible with what you do and learn some of these techniques that I teach, please accept my free gift to you, which includes templates and videos and how-tos. Go to debbiedashinger.com slash gift. It's D-E-B-B-I-D-A-C-H-I-N-G-E-R.com slash gift. What questions remain in the wake of the Pentagon's disclosures as to who and why these extraterrestrial beings are here on Earth. My guest today is Alan Steinfeld, an explorer of consciousness. For over 30 years, Alan has hosted and produced the weekly television series, New Realities in New York City. With 70,000 plus subscribers to his New Realities YouTube channel, there have been over 20 million views of his programs. And Alan has interviewed luminaries in the field of health, spirituality, and UFOs, such as Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Ram Das, and every major UFO researcher in the field. For over seven years, Alan has been the MC at the largest UFO event in the country called Contact in the Desert. To learn more about Alan and his show, go to youtube.com slash new realities. And also, we're going to be giving out some information in the show notes a little later on about where you can watch and acquire his amazing new five-part video series, 
called Making Contact that have names that you will absolutely want to hear from. And with that, I welcome Alan Steinfeld to Dare to Dream. It's so great to have you here. It is great to be here and congratulations on your awards. Wow, I'm impressed. So I'm happy to be here with your audience because obviously you reach a wide audience and it's always good to share the knowledge. So thank you, Debbie. My pleasure, my pleasure. So Alan, you know what I want to start with is I think I'm one of the people that you like to appeal to in the sense I have been extremely metaphysical my whole life, transformational, psychic channeling, all of that into. But I was an eye roller, honestly, when it came to other worlds, other planets, other beings. And I'm the person who suddenly woke up like Mm -hmm. four years ago, something happened and I started listening with different ears. And I said, my God, this is truth. I know this is truth. And my world changed. This show changed. Conversations changed. Um, I do contact work now. I've seen spacecraft. So much is different. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that people are waking up like me right now and that there is more and more acceptance and more and more conversation around this? Well, absolutely. This is a time we're at a transition point in our world, in our culture. Not just you, millions of people around the world are seeing things in the sky, trying to explain it. They're having dreams. I just interviewed a ufologist from China where it's not very safe to talk about these things, but she says people have been emailing her about their dreams and these beings showing up. So it's not just things in the sky. It's interaction, it's contact that seems to be happening on a worldwide scale. We just think in this country it's just U.S. or it's California, but it's everywhere this phenomena is occurring. And it's a vibrational shift. So you woke up because you've been metaphysical and all that, but the vibration, the frequency of the planet, the frequency of thought is now welcoming these other beings into our reality. So it's part of, I would say, the Aquarian age, Mm. moving into a new time, a new shift out of, um, you know, what they call the Kali Yuga into the Satya Yuga. You know, there's many different traditions, you know, um, even in the Hebrew tradition, they say, you know, 6,000, year 6,000 will be the new Sabbath for a thousand years. So we're approaching that time the year 6,000 in the Jewish calendar, and where um, so many traditions, the Toltec tradition, um, Sergio Magana talks about the time of the sixth sun, which is a time of understanding ourselves as energy, not matter. Quantum physics is agreeing with that. We, Everything is shifting in our worldview, and including our awareness that we're not alone in the universe. I mean, I'm not saying it, and all the people in my book are not. The government is saying this to us. They are acknowledging there are ships visiting us. There are beings from other places in our airspace, and it's been quite a controversy for the government to keep that mm, a secret, but it's no longer a secret. There is an acknowledgement that, yes, that headline, I just interviewed Linda Moulton Howe, She's saying, we're not alone in the universe. That's what we're looking for. 
with the Webb telescope being launched last month, looking for life on other distant planets and star systems, it's only a matter of time, and I think that time is shortly approaching, where we'll realize that we are not a freak of nature. You know, science says, no, life is an accident, and this is probably the only place, or maybe very few, but life is an emergent property of creation itself. That's my belief system. And it's only a belief system to say, no, life is an accident. So belief system, I say, is make-believe. What do you want to sell yourself make to make-believe? Make-believe life is abundant or make-believe that we're just an accident. So when we believe and know that life is everywhere, that like, like in my research with Gary Nolan from Stanford Research Institute, he says the D- DNA molecule appears to be older than the Earth itself. Yes, DNA appears to be nine and a half million years, billion years old, and the Earth is only four billion years old. So could it be that life is seeded throughout the universe by natural constituents of chemical compositions? But is it also coming from a higher level? I mean, we don't have to use the word God, but maybe there's a grand intelligence that we are derivative of. So these are questions that are not just philosophical, they're scientific. Science is looking at this. And this is um, a seed change in human civilization. Imagine what it'll be like when we meet the others. When they actually, yeah, people are having dreams and contact, but when it's really acknowledged that we're not alone in the universe, it does so many things. First of all, it changes our technology, right? When you see those ships, I don't think they're filling up their gas tank to get here. From- <laughs> not at <laughs> our prices right now. Definitely not. But so what does that mean? If there's something like free energy, mm-hmm. think if this we- is a huge conversation, this it's- alone, the free energy. Yes. And I think really it's not so much aliens or whatever those beings are that the government doesn't want to admit they don't, and this is just my feeling, they don't want to admit that there's something that could house your whole power, you know, system in your house, in your apartment, without going to an oil company, bypassing all the corporate controls that are obviously fueling politicians and say, you know, Maybe people can really be free if they own their own energy supply. And maybe that's, maybe that's something that will really transform the world even more than the fact that, oh, yeah, we have visitors. Just think we won't have to be enslaved to, to oil companies. I, I mean, if you had a, a device in your place where you could just power everything or your car or it's just it changes the destiny of human civilization. People no longer have to work to just survive. You know, we can cultivate the deserts. We can have abundant foods. I mean, it's... it's so. But that's just one aspect of the technology. Just think of the true history of who we are as human beings, of religion, you know? Maybe... Maybe religion is outdated. Maybe the science... And I know you're spiritual, so you understand the science of incarnation might be the real um, avenue we look into about who we really are. What is the nature of the soul? 
and what's our evolution as spiritual beings. So all that comes into play when we just acknowledge that there's something more in the universe than just humans. Right? Does it make sense? Makes sense completely, yeah. And you're, the book, and it's right there, people can see it, Making Contact, that you've just released. Um, it's the result, 30 years you've done of investigations into UFOs and into ETs. Right. So since the Pentagon disclosures, the who, the what, the how of why we're being visited. I mean, I've had Dr. Gre Stephen Greer on the show and many other experts and everybody... It seems to me that there's a pattern with the answers. I'd love to hear your answer. Why are these beings here on Earth amongst us every day and also through visitation? Right. Well, there is a pattern to answers, but also this book is a collection of essays. So there's 12 different essays by the experts in the field. And I want it to just be not my opinion because, you know, that's one. There's a not, I wouldn't say disagreement, but everyone has their own reasons to answer those questions. Who, what, why, where are they from? So I needed to put out a book that covered the scope of what these people I really respect are saying. And there's not an agreement about who, what, and why. But there is an agreement that, yes, definitely, and the government has just acknowledged that we are being visited by intelligent beings. So... I think by presenting the readers with many different possibilities, you know, people say, oh, I'm Pleiadian, Arcturian. I don't even know what that means. You know, what level of civilization of Pleiadian are you? I mean, so let's just establish so we can go to the next level and get the government to acknowledge that, yes, we are not alone in the universe. We are being visited, like you said, Every single day, every single night, if you go out to Sedona, look up the sky at night vision goggle, with night vision goggle, you'll see these lights moving and they're not just satellites. So the big questions, though, is why are they here in such massive numbers? That's something that if you read the book, you'll get a general overview, but you won't get an answer because we have to figure out what that answer is. It's up to us. And I think on another level, we are the aliens. We've been waiting. We are the aliens, right? We're, as human beings, not like any other creature on planet Earth. We build houses. We have relationships. You know, we, we make things. And that has made us different. I mean, genetically, we're related. But on a conscious level... We are not related to the animals. I think we're star-seeded. I mean, people are talking about star-seeds now. This is just my opinion. We're star-seeded and from other places as an evolved civilization, and we've been dumbed down to not to acknowledge who and what we are. So the ETs, or whatever those beings are, whatever's out there, are here at this time, I believe, to wake us up, to who we really are and shows like that yours and mine are talking to an awakened audience. Like you're not going to get people switching from the football game to our shows, you know, which is okay. They're doing their thing. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying it's too bad. But, you know, I'm just saying that 
we're presenting an opportunity for people to think about these questions because these questions are are expanding people's minds. If and you know, you look at quantum physics, it all goes back to the to the observer. The observer f- affects reality. Of course, people like Joe Dispenza and all these human potential teachers are teaching that now. But we know that we are more wave than particle. We're more energy than matter. However you want to say it, science is now proving what the mystics have for years understood. And I think that has to do with how ETs see the world. I think they can move through time and space because time and space are fluid in the the matrix of consciousness. You know, sometimes you're looking at something that looks like, you know, you're 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 waiting for the clock to change and it looks like forever to get to a certain time and then time moves quickly and it depends on consciousness. Why does time seem different and different moments even though objectively it's all counting the same time? It's because consciousness is a, an accelerated observer of the time-space modality. So we have to look at how are these beings moving through time space and like the 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 tic tac show and the pentagon release there's no there's no propulsion system they're able to turn at right angles and all the scientists say well that would that g force would really destroy anybody in those you can't just do that but maybe Maybe they're not using Newtonian physics. You know that Newtonian physics, you know how old it is? You know when Newton lived? No, tell us. I think he lived in the 1700s. We're using 300-year-old science to Hmm. move our machines. Modern-day situation. It's a, but we're using an ancient, so ancient physics. And so, yeah, quantum physics was a leap, but it's only... An explanation. It's not an application. That's the problem with quantum physics. It's it's something. It's telling you, yeah, consciousness affects matter. But how does it do that is the missing piece that I think the ETs, like I say, whoever they are, want to help us. Because really, Debbie, I think we're equal to them. You know, yes, they will freak us out. If they appear in front of you, right there in your little studio and apartment there, it would kind of freak us. It would freak me out because I, I've met them in altered states. I say dream states, altered states. And, and we have to adjust to their vibration. And that's something that the subtitle of this book, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence, the preparation is first knowing that something's there. And then adjusting the scope of our awareness to include the others Mm -hmm. so when they do show up you know you lock your doors you're going to sleep and suddenly there's a being at the foot of your bed that that it's traumatizing it's maybe a little less traumatizing to hear like you know they don't have very good bedside manners but it's a little (laughs) less traumatizing to think that oh well maybe i read about this or this has happened before so it's like oh, so here's a being and it's not a human being because I know the doors are locked. I know I didn't hear it. And there they are. So how do we adjust to a paradigm that is mind-blowing 
it's really what I'm trying to talk about over the fact that the government has barely admitted. Yeah, so talk about that. What are the obvious facts that this nine-page Pentagon Senate intelligence report omitted? Well, the one thing they did acknowledge that they're he said they, they had 144 cases in June of 2021 where they observed, and only one was explained as an as a balloon. There were 143 that they said, well, it could be airborne clutter, it could be foreign adversaries, it could be a natural phenomena, could be balloons, or this is the fifth category, and this is what is in the document. Other, it could be other. Now, that is such a lame, really um, pathetic sort of um, inclusion of what they can't explain. They call it other? Okay. So you get people like Louis, Louis Alessandro. You know who he is? Absolutely. I've had Daniel Sheehan on the show. Oh, yeah. Daniel, Danny is his lawyer, and he, he was on a show I just did, but... Louis Elizondo is leading the disclosure movement because he was a counterintelligence person working for the government. He was assigned this job of looking and investigating these UFOs. He didn't know anything about it. He says, oh, my God, this stuff is real. I mean, this is like, and then well, and he they're said, covering it up. And why are they covering it up is the big question. I think it's corporate influence, but I also think They've been lying, and this is the 75th year anniversary of Roswell. I might go to Roswell this year and speak there on the 75th. So they've been covering up because, you know, there's that old saying, once you tell a lie, you have to keep telling it in order to protect the truth. And and the little lies become big lies. become, And that's what happened in Roswell when... Truman said, no, 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 we can't. We just got out of a world war and we can't say there's this thing like people from another planet. So those little lies have become big lies, have become humongous lies. And now, you know, the Air Force is one of the main branches that have been covering up and actually ridiculing people for saying that there's stuff out there. So let's just get to ground zero. Let's put it that way where we can acknowledge something's here and it's not other, well, it's other, but it's other that, you know, it's not, and this is what Elizondo says, these things are not anything the Chinese, the Russians, or the U.S. have created. And it's not some third world country suddenly stumbling on. And the closest thing they'll say to mentioning the A word is that they're off world. They might be off world. But I want to push, and me and a lot of people in this citizens' movement for UFO disclosure say, let's just say what it is. If it talks like a duck and walks like a duck, it might actually be an alien, right? So. <laughs> well said. I love that. So I'm curious when you say, Alan, mm. that your UFO slash ET experience is more in the dream realm, talk about what any of your direct contact with celestial beings has been. All right. I'll tell you my story. It's in my book, but I'll tell you. Chapter 7, I'm driving cross-country with this girlfriend who I'd met in Sedona. 
and we are driving back east and kind of take a round. We go up to Oregon and we cut across Oregon, take Route 80 back to New York and um, back to Wontaw, actually, Long Island, because I, I was still living there in 87. And um, but oh, so we stop. We're driving for like a long time. We stop in, in North Platte, Nebraska, or, and we drove, get off the interstate down a little road that says, the sign says, enter at your own risk. And we just go to sleep because we're tired, we're driving, and we just feel like we're frozen in the night. We feel like we, we go to bed in the same position, we wake up. And, and I just talked to this woman not too long ago because, you know, it was a while ago. And, you know, relationships, they evolve. So, um, but I said to her, because I gave her the book, and she said, oh, I said, you remember that night um, we were, we slept by, you know, in Nebraska? And she'd go, yeah, the night we felt frozen. It wasn't like we felt frozen in a cold way, but we were suspended animation. Like, you know, we woke up in the same position. I mean, who even remembers that? So I wake up. And I think, and it feels a little weird, the scene. So we just keep driving. And I, and I think for a second, could something weird have happened? And I go, nah, couldn't have. <laughs> you know? So I get back to New York and in the next like couple of days. And there's a mark on the back of my leg. It's like a four-pronged puncture mark. It's like, and it's on the back of my knee. You know, it's like, and who looks at the back of their knee, right? I mean, well, when's did the last it hurt? Time? Was there a reason why you even checked back there? No, I didn't check. I was at the pool in Wantor. My mother says, oh, what's that in the back of your leg? And I said, oh, I don't know. It must be a spider bite or something like that. It's interesting because I think my um, mother's side of the family were all abductees, my mother and my grandmother. So it's interesting that she would spot that. And she doesn't believe any of this stuff. Although she has a fear of cats. And I said to her, what is it about cats that scare you so much? And she says, it's the eyes. I said, Mm -hmm. well... So I think there's a history there, and I think it does follow generations. So, But, you know, the strange thing was I was doing video at the time. I was doing a video for this woman who was a choreographer, and she was choreographing one of her abductions. And I just happened to meet her somewhere, and she said, would you want to work on And then I showed her, like, what do you think of this mark? And she says, well, that's an abduction mark. And I just, I just sort of freaked out. It's like, because it all came back. It must have happened that night where we felt weird. And and then I called up my girlfriend. And she, she was regressed. And she said, yes, something happened. And we were taken up. I mean, I didn't remember any of it because, and this is what I'm writing about in my next book. The trauma of reality not being what we thought it has been. And that's why I call my program New Realities because I keep pushing to understand the nature of reality. And the nature of reality is nothing like we know. It's nothing like anything we understand. So there's trauma involved, and the trauma is just when things are not what we thought they were. You know, reality is more solid than the ground beneath your feet. And when that starts to shake, you know, in California, it just throws your whole world off. And... um so when rea- so that's what freaked me out. How could I not remember what happened? But and then I met Bud Hopkins. You know who Bud Hopkins is? Yeah, he's the, tell the audience. He's the Godfather. He's the one. He wasn't the first to notice the abductions 
phenomena. It was that happened in 1961 with Betty and Barney Hill. Right. It was they were an interracial couple, which I always think was interesting, traveling from Montreal back to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and they had four hours of missing time, and that became a case that I actually happened to read. In Life magazine, growing up on Long... No, it wasn't Life. It was Look. My family got Look magazine. And I just want to say as an interesting sidebar here that even though I say it it was just several years ago when I woke up, when I look back on my history, Mm -hmm. what I realize is I was reading Whitley Strieber's books as soon as they came out. I saw by accident the Barney and Betty Hill story with Esther... Yes. And James Earl Jones. I mean, I was was probably looking for like some music show on TV and that popped on and I couldn't leave the TV. I had to see the whole thing. Blew my mind. I have a a sister-in-law who's totally into this and she sent me Telos books. And so there are all these markers Mm. in my history that there was something desirous and connected to all of this, Mm -hmm. but it took a while till the rest popped. Um, so huge movie and true story. But you know what? Since you know, you only grew up a couple of miles from me in Long Island, right? And Long Island is a real hot spot of UFO activity. Didn't the whole know. Yes, yes. And I had early abduction before this 87. Does that send chills through you? Yes, I think you had it. Yes, I think so, because I had some strange early experiences that I didn't really put together till the 1987 event, but I felt like there were times where I was being pulled out of my body, Uh, there were red lights that seemed to come into my room, Um, yeah, just strange things happening there. Absolutely. And, And, you know, along those lines, Alan... um, I also do some contact work with a woman who channels extraterrestrials. Who's that? Uh, This is Lisa Royal Holt. I know Lisa Royal is a huge star. I'd like to interview Lisa Royal. She's the one that started the Lyrian revolution with her her prisms of Lyra, you know. Well, I will introduce you. She is a dear friend and she's a phenomenal, beautiful human being. And one of the questions before I did, a couple of years ago, before I did the first contact work, she asked questions of participants and it's very intimate and one of the questions was do you have lost time and I had to think about that I'm like wow that's so interesting no one's ever asked me that the truth is I don't remember most much of my childhood it's just don't no I have reference points uh maybe a few memories but there's a lot I don't remember And the other thing is going to bed was awful for me growing up because I would inherently turn over, look at the wall, and I can't tell you the things I saw that it was like a nightmare for me. It was so scary. Mm. Um, Yeah, going to bed was very difficult. Uh, The dark. Me too. Me too. I actually slept with the lights on and the radio on, Mm. you know, and that And I could only actually fall asleep now, sometimes listening to the radio because, but no, I didn't like the lights being off and going to bed. So I think we probably grew up around the same time too, right? Yep, definitely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Maybe we're in the same ships. (laughs) I think so. I think there were, you know, the Montauk 
project is is not far from that part of Long Island. It might be, I know, it's just, you know, in Suffolk County there. But that whole southern shore and the north shore of Long Island was somehow, there were lots of ships sighted over there. There was a lot going on in the 60s and 70s, you know, particularly, and into the 80s. I mean, lots of people I know have had experiences growing up on Long Island, really. Uh-huh. So it so might. You get, so your girlfriend's regress. She, your girlfriend, yeah. now girlfriend gets regress. She comes back and says to you, "Yeah, something definitely happened. Yes. You have a weird mark, prong on the back of your knee." Yes. And how did your memories start to surface? Well, I have to say, I was freaked out, but I did meet the guy who wrote the book on missing time, Bud Hopkins. That's his first book. He's the person who really said. Oh, people have missing time. There might be a UFO-related incident. But I met the guy himself, and I told him about this, and said, "Well, definitely." And there's other people. Very, you could even look online, and it's just kind of freaked me out recently. But that is a good question because I have to admit, it took me 20 years to be regressed to the place where I went back to that incident where we're sleeping in my van and like, but. I became obsessed with the subject in that 20 years time. It's like first after being freaked out, like, really? Could this be true? I just, I probably 2000 books on the subject of UFOs. I looked for every book. I went to every conference. That's how I got to know all the people I have in this book because they became friends. Linda Moulton Howe and Whitley Strieber and Grant Cameron and Nick Pope. You show up at enough conferences. You ask enough <laughs> questions. It's like, who's this guy? Let's go out to dinner. Let's have, you know, it's like, it's more than just UFOs we're talking about. It's like, oh, yeah, what's your family like? It's like we become friends, you know, So I, because I went to all these conferences and, um, you know, I wanted to know because I was obsessed. You know, what Grant Cameron says in my book, you get, you get sucked down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Like once you've had a sighting and I didn't have a sighting again. When did I have? Oh, I had a sighting in New York. It's like there was this little light in New York City, really. And I thought I saw this little blue beam. And I say to myself, was that a blue beam coming out of that light? And when I, as soon as I thought that, it, can't, it happened again. You know? And then I'm hanging out at some picnic, and my friend who's had contact says, you know, they're here. I said, where are they? And it's midday. And he says, they're right up there. And, if you look, and if I looked really high up, there were these little silver dots in the sky that could have been balloons, but they were stationary and they weren't going anywhere. I mean, it's just, you can only look at these things for so long. And then I've had other sightings. And of course, just the other night, uh, anyway, what were you asking? Yeah. Weren't you also, um, because Whitley's been on the show like three yeah. times and, and yeah. And he tells a story about this crazy <clears throat> talk about losing time that y'all went out, you drove out in a car and you were there and yeah. you were going to some kind of a, I, I know it was like Native event. American event. Yeah. And then you were going down some road and you had an experience, all of you together. Oh, it wasn't all of us. It was only Whitley. Whitley, I'm sitting next to Whitley in the car and he goes, when I close my eyes, I feel like we're on a different 
we're ro- going down a different road. I'm seeing all these houses and these people. And he says to me, are you seeing this? And I say, no, I'm not seeing this. And I close my eyes. But Whitley somehow connected with another dimension. But I was sitting next to him. I mean, I don't think he was hallucinating. He was actually seeing what I think the ghost dancers of... We were in um, Pine Bush, South Dakota. And we're at a conference, a UFO conference in Pine Bush. And we were just around where... You know, Wounded Knee, you know what Wounded Knee was? That was a massacre of Lakota people. And they were shot because they were trying to escape out of this dimension by doing the ghost dance. And the ghost dance, what I think was a portal opening to these other worlds. And I think somehow Whitley, because I, I respect Whitley and as one of the most lucid contactees around. He's going to be on my show this Thursday. I'll get to that. But um, he he and Linda Moulton Howe are going to be talking about their experiences in a really deep dive conversation. But so Whitley had these experiences because he's he's aware of these other levels. He's He says these beings have not left him since the time he wrote that book, Communion. So... Anyway, yeah, Whitley does tell that story. It didn't happen to me, but I was witnessing that. And um, I think it is a matter of sensitivity. I mean, when we train our sensitivity, we can see auric fields. We can. There's beings right here in front of us now that we're not seeing just because we have not been trained to see them. So this is what this... Um, acceleration in dimensional space is happening. That's why you woke up because you're evolving to a finer and finer frequency, maybe because of all the spiritual work, but you're starting to perceive other levels and then, boom, how could there not be other life in other worlds? Absolutely. And I want to say this for people who are listening. I think it's so important to hear. I also feel, just listening to you, Alan, like a little bit of an aha, I was too scared before. I was just so freaked out. You know, you read Whitley Strieber's stories of abductions. It's like you see Barney and Betty Hill and their abductions. Like, I don't want any of that ever. And I think I also saw dead people when I was very young and I went, click, let's shut that off. Aliens, click, let's shut that off. Not okay for me in this reality and just forge ahead. But when I became awoke, That was mostly my first conversations with people who are huge in this field. I was very honest about it. Right. And that was also a transformation over time for me to learn that in general, there was very little to be afraid of. And in fact, it was a massive contribution. Should I be lucky enough to have a connection, a relationship, you know, way more than a sighting? Um, you know, that they have healing abilities. There's so many beautiful, beloved celestial beings out there who are so aware of us and care so much. So that created this huge shift. And then I also want to reference what you said earlier about consciousness and choice and magic. And do you want prosperity or do you want to suffer, basically? And I think even the same with UAPs and with extraterrestrials, it is you know, we can actually invite in these beautiful experiences. Mm-hmm. And even someone like Whitley Strieber, case in point, who started out being incredibly traumatized because his reality couldn't sustain that. 
And now over the years, this is one of the greatest experiences, these connections he has on a almost daily basis mm -hmm. with those from other worlds and parallel universes, etc. plus his wife who has passed to the other side. So even he has transitioned out of that fear trauma into this acceptance and my God, thank you so much for all you've given to me in my life. Right. I do have to say, because you mentioned it, and I was going to get back to that, that you asked me, when did I start to look into it? So I was freaked out and then became obsessed, but it was 25 years before I was actually regressed because I was like, do I really want to see what actually did happen to me? You know, so it took me all that time to work through my trauma to get a regression where it's like, oh, these beings show up at the back of the van. I have to say, when people say they are regressed, they are not, at least in my case, you're, I'm not remembering what happened. Like it's something I remember, oh, I, I did that yesterday. There's no conscious memory recall because we weren't conscious in the same way to begin with. So regression takes you back to an unconscious state. And it's hard to believe sometimes even your own um, projections. Okay, I'm sort of remembering this. I'm seeing that, but I'm not remembering it because I didn't experience it because I wasn't conscious. Mm. And we're only really remembering what's conscious. That's why we don't remember dreams. Like they come in and out, but... So I did have this regression, and I did see these beings, and it wasn't as weird as I thought. I said, oh, yeah, they're friendly, and they want to, you know, just check in. And But it's more the idea of it. It's like, really? So it took me a long time to get to that place where... And I only went there because I had met this, um, this guy from the Rendlesham Forest uh, episode, Jim, Jim Pennington, who was touched a UFO while working for the Air Force and he was so freaked out he told me he had to take a sedative every night since then and that was like 1980 to like whatever maybe he's doing and I said well if this guy's so freaked out just by touching a craft I don't know maybe maybe I can deal with my whatever happened to me so that's when I decided to get regressed by a hypnotherapist and they don't tell you what's happening. They say, okay, you're back there. What do you see? And then, you know, I start to see these beings that are odd, but in an altered state of conscious. If they were to show up here, I think we'd be freaked out. But it was in the altered state of relaxed state. You know, I can't help but wonder mm -hmm. when you tell this story, you know, that this was kismet. This was meant to be for your soul because... Your soul's mission is a big one in this life, not just your radio show, not just your book, not just this five-part video series, not just emceeing, like you have a huge presence, a known presence in this world, and that you are being groomed in a way to have this voice for the work you're here to do and that they know. I think you're right. I mean, I feel like this is the most exciting thing I could do is look into this phenomenon. I mean, who wants to be an accountant or you know, <laughs> everything, you know, your parents on Long Island thought wanted you to be, you know, 
doctor or, or lawyer or whatever those things are, what's more exciting than discovering the next level of reality as it unfolds and transforms human civilization? So, I mean, that's... That, yeah, it happened. And in my book, in the second chapter, Grant Cameron says, if you've seen a UFO, if you've interacted with it, you were meant to see it. You are part of the phenomena. Mm -hmm. And we're part of the phenomena, Debbie, me and you and all the people listening. There's something really huge happening here to all of us at this time. And the government... They can deny it, but the way they're denying it is so obviously a lie that it's revealing the truth. So that's where we're at now. It took me all that time, and I'm just saying I'm really excited about what the future holds for human beings, civilization, intellectual thinking, academic understanding, looking at the nature of reality, who are we really, what is, how does the soul aspect of who we are interface with these other beings and that's some of what i'll be talking about tomorrow night with our friend whitley and linda moulton howe and kamara jones and i'm doing this making contact series it's a five-part series and i'll show you my little trailer for that you want to see my so folks who are listening to the podcast as he gets it set up just an fyi if you'd like to actually see this i urge you to go to youtube.com slash debbie dashinger so you can watch this watch alan and i and also he's going to give us a trailer of making contact right now right this is a series you see that on your screen i see a little you a little me and not the you see a black screen black screen that's the black screen all right right so um let me just turn this in um, this is a series based on my book with some of the writers from my book, but I wanted to go further than just the essays. I wanted people to really explain why we're interfacing, but this trailer doesn't go into any of that. It just tells you what's going on. So this is me. From deep, deep in outer space to planet Earth, to the Red Rocks of Sedona, to our online community here, a time, a message, a special series on making contact. There is no better time for making contact. I'm George Norrie, host of the national radio show Coast to Coast AM. Alan Steinfeld has put together a well-conceived collection that covers it all. Thanks, George, for that introduction. This is Alan Steinfeld, the editor and author of Making Contact, which is a collection of writings of the best and brightest people in the field of ufology. I'm putting together a special series of some of these fantastic contributors to my book. People like Whitley Strieber, Linda Moulton Howe, Carolyn Corey, Nick Pope, JJ and Desiree Hurtock, Adam Apollo, the alien lady Mary Rodwell, and such contactees as Marina Sarin and Kamara Jones and the art of Kamara Jones, plus some very special surprises in the field. Please join me for this fantastic series of dialogues as I dive deeper into anything I've done before. For more information and for a complete description of the five-week course, go to makingcontactseries.com. George, any final comments? The contributions of all these people help to give insight 
into the multifaceted intentions of the phenomena because making contact presents the opportunity for us to prepare to meet advanced civilizations. Someday, somehow in the future, the conflicts that have plagued our species for eons will come to an end. And by making contact, we will take our rightful place among the stars. The Making Contact series is presented by Alan Steinfeld and New Realities, Deborah Giusti and the Global Peace Tribe, in association with Neil Gar, Portal to Ascension, and Star Family Wisdom. Join us for this online series, Making Contact, the New Realities of Disclosure and Cosmic Awakening, Thursdays beginning May 19th from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. To find out more and to sign up, go to makingcontactseries.com. See you there. Okay. And just to let folks know, don't worry if you didn't catch the uh, URL. I will have it in the show notes so you can have a clickable. And these shows are on replay. We've done um, three in the series. We're doing our fourth on June 16th and the final one on June 23rd. And this is not stuff that's going to be on YouTube. A lot of people charge people and then they put it on YouTube. No, this is private because the conversations go deep. And I think people who are only interested in this will want to see this. It's not like... It's for the general public if the general public was interested, but they want like, if you ever watch Ancient Aliens, it's like little sound bites. It's like, I can't, it's a great show and there's great stories on there, but it's like, let's really have a conversation about this, like me and you are having, like this, and go deeper into the subject. And I think, and I appreciate your insights into the phenomenon, your, your openness and the fact that there's something going on. And the government has to lay it all out. This is what people in the field, and this is what the series is kind of hinting at. Let's put it all out on the table. What do we know? What's going on? Yes, they're using a different set of science. How is this going to change science? I mean, it's obviously they're using a physics that's not Newtonian, not even quantum, not Einsteinian. It's something other Let's find out. Let's have it. This is an opportunity for all of us to evolve, to evolve our civilization, to get rid of war and famine and poverty. I mean, I know it's idealistic, but I think this is what expanding and opening to these beings. And most people think, you know, even the government said, well, national security and, you know, aren't they going to invade and take us over? If they were going to do that, they would have done yeah. A long, long, long time. time ago. If they have that kind of technology with that kind of G-force, et cetera, right. they can go for the sky and to the water and back again. If they can um, if they can stop nuclear missiles, yes. which they've done. Yes. Um, hello. Yes, they have easily the technology to, to wipe us out as well, but they need us. We are a, an integral part of the universe and other universes. So we shouldn't downplay that the madness humanity is creating right now against each other and to Mama Gaia, it's felt everywhere. The impact is enormous. Yes. And so when you talk, Alan, about the U.S. government, the U.S. Congress, it's really holding back on UAPs, which, by the way, folks, unidentified aerial phenomenon is a UAP. So what do you, from all your investigation, from this book, from your interviews, what do you know or would recommend that people can do so that they can prepare 
for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence? That is a great question. Thank you. I also want to say the reason they're calling these going from UFO to UAP, and that's a government um, rebranding, is because... Just a car going by here. Uh, Okay, we can still hear you. Perfect. Okay, good. All right, that is a government rebranding because whatever these objects are, are not just objects. There's a phenomena involved. Like you said before, there's, there's, there's synchronicities, there's healings, there's telepathy that happens. There's some negative effects, not just the positive effects. Some people get radiation poisoning or, or burns and, and altered states of consciousness, negative, like um, distorted. Um, some people, you know, ha- have very ill effects. But there's a phenomena happening that's beyond objects. So one of the things the government did do accurately was to rename this unexplained aerial phenomena because phenomena is definitely more about what's going on than just flying objects. These are not just flying objects. Yes, they're that, but there's so much more and they're and it's like there's a paper out by the government uh, it was just released in the US Sun. Um, the neurological um, repercussions of, of watching a UFO. Not all of them are negative. Not all of them are positive. I think there's craft from many, many places. So what was your question again? It was a good question, but what was it? Yeah, basically, how do people prepare? You and I know this is the new reality. Mm-hmm. You and I know because more and more and more people are waking up. And maybe seven years ago, this would have been like... Uh, Let's talk about this under the table because we will look like freaks if we say this out loud to most people. Today, I certainly am finding I say this in places and I'm amazed at the amount of people who come out of the closet and say, yep, I believe or I've had an experience. I will tell you that I've actually had very, very well-known transformational people on the show that I've interviewed and I get a hit and I'm like, First of all, these, this person's a hybrid, <laughs> like I can feel it and, or they have definitely had experiences. There's no way they know what they know without having contact. And right. I have been bold enough to ask on my show and people have said, God, I've never talked about this before, but actually, yes, indeed, I've had contacts. So this is new realities of extraterrestrial contact and beings. How can the normal-ish layperson prepare themselves for this occurrence. I also want to say we're going to be at this conference, this outdoor event, this Saturday was going to be like 5,000, you know, UFO, I wouldn't say fanatics, but advocates that are there just because this is the time. So the preparation is on many levels. First, just read the papers. The government is saying this exists. That's the first level. Okay, it exists. How do I see one? What do I do if I see one? Just go out at night and look at the stars. It helps if you have night vision goggles, which amplify the light. They're military um, equipment, but you, they, they sell them online. You look at the sky on a really dark night somewhere outside of Los Angeles with night vision goggles. You'll see so many more stars, and you'll see little things that seem to change direction and travel together. They're not just satellites. So, And then 
practice in terms of meeting, actually meeting, practice lucid awareness. Like in your dream states, practice being conscious in your dreams. Because, And that's one of the reasons I think Whitley's had so much contact is because he does a meditation twice a day where he practices his lucid awareness. His, what does he call that? The... Um, the awareness meditation or something. But anyway, he's practicing that, and I think that's one of the reasons. So the more lucid you can stay in your dream states, the more this interface with these other realities can occur, and that's another way. And just know the preparation is in knowing. You know, Joe Dispenza says, you need the knowledge before you have the experience, or else if you have the experience, you don't know what to do with the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Or you don't, if you have the experience, yeah, you need the knowledge sometimes as a preparation. So, this book is a preparation because we're looking at the whole field. So, just read a bunch of books, read what people have said, read what they've experienced. You don't have to be traumatized when you meet an ET because it's like, it's like truth goes through three levels. This is a famous quote by the German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer. He said, Truth. First it's ignored, then it's ridiculed, and then it's self-evident. Well, we're out of the ignored stage. We're in sort of the ridiculed stage. We're coming out of that, and I think we're moving into the stage where, well, why wouldn't there be life? What, What is the big secret? What is so weird that there's, you know, if you were sitting on a little island and you saw an island in the distance, would you think that you're... Only your island had life and trees and bugs and plants and all those things. No, what's here is everywhere. As I mean, there's nothing unique. I mean, it's a beautiful planet. I love this planet. It's one of my favorite planets. But I'm sure there are some amazing planets other places. And, and like I said, we are not coming from a dead universe. We are not a freak of nature. I don't know that for sure. But science said, science talks like it's a fact. Oh, yeah, life evolved from this protoplasm. And, and they don't know. They've never made life in a, in a laboratory by sparking amino acids with electrical pulses and have them duplicate. No, I think life is an emergent property of existence itself. And consciousness is the great force. Consciousness is the essence of this universe. And this is what all the great physicists have said. Max Planck, Einstein, they've all said it's consciousness that is primary. Consciousness is the ground of all being. So we may have descended from a greater consciousness or we may be a fractal of that greater consciousness, but that consciousness is not isolated to this blue, watery planet on the outskirts of the Milky Way. Yeah, I want to say too, just to tag riff on the on what you're saying right there if it helps people at all to know this it's actually not an other because based on everything i know my dna which you are saying is extremely ancient as is yours and everybody else's doesn't come from earth it is an amalgam of all the many many species and planets my soul has been connected with well Maybe not the DNA, but what you understand what I'm saying. It is yeah. ancient. 
no matter what. My soul has been around not just on this planet, but many planets. So I can't say to an extraterrestrial, to an alien, air quotes, that you're different than me because I actually am you. Energy is everything. Energy is everywhere. I was you in another life, in a parallel life, in another universe, etc. at one time or another, and you were me. Exactly. So we are truly all connected. And, and it's interesting because there's so much intolerance on this planet as it is. Different genders, different races, different colors, different sexual choices. It's insane. Um, as though anyone is better than the other, not. And that even goes out to other planets and other beings and species. Mm-hmm. What if there are beloveds? What if they're really here to help us? What if our souls in other lifetimes were truly connected to them and begging them at some level to come help us at a time when we're transitioning and we could use the help? Thank you. That is a beautiful epilogue. You're absolutely right, because that's why they're here. We are in need. We're destroying our planet. We don't know who we are. On a soul level, when you meet these others, they are equal to us. They may have greater technology. They may be more intelligent, but they're not greater than us. That's what we have to remember. That's the big preparation. When they stand there in front of you and emanate a field that might be overwhelming, on the soul essence level, they are equal to this essence, to that essence. So there's nothing to be freaked out about. We are them, like you said, and they are us. And this is the evolution of human species. And when we realize that we're part of a greater family, just think of the rewriting of history, of of possibilities, of this is the most exciting time in human history where we're right there, we're right on the threshold of meeting the other and integrating ourselves into what Captain Kirk calls star dates. You know, what is the real history of Earth and humanity and and the um, evolution and where are we going and how can help from these cosmic families benefit us because... You know, we're still making war with each other. We're still destroying. We're still drinking out of plastic bottles. We're still shooting each other. I mean, it's like, it's so primitive that they're waiting for us to grow up, wake up, and clean up our our mess. It's like your mother saying, you're not going to get company until you clean up your room. That's really what happens here. So... I love that. I want to just repeat that. They're waiting for us to grow up, wake up, and clean up. That's like beautiful little monster right there. Well, that just came to me, but it seems like they're waiting for, and they're slowly making it self-evident that we're not alone. And, you know, you talk to people who are not trying to protect the secret, and there's people in government that are pushing for this too. You know, Luis Elizondo, there's a Republican who, uh, you know, from Ellen, where's he from? Tennessee, Tim, Tim, Tim Burchett, something like that. But he's saying, no, we demand the truth. Andre Carson out of Illinois. Uh, uh, what's her name? Kristen Gillibrand has a whole office of UFOs. So 
You know, there's people pushing for transparency, and we're not getting this. We have to push harder. Let's let's talk about this at Disclosure Fest. But yes, and so that is what Alan was alluding to. He will be speaking on stage. I will be there as well in Los Angeles this weekend. Disclosure Fest out in a historical park. I am so looking forward to it and to hearing you speak. And I have two quick personal questions to ask you here at the end, I, Alan Steinfeld. And the first is, New York Post, I found uh, a rendition of this newspaper with you uh, naked <laughs> in a bathtub in an apartment. In oh, my apartment. Yes, you are a feature article. What was that? Well, I've been living in my apartment for a long time. I'm not that long. It was built in the 1890s. But they were looking for old-style New York apartments with a bathtub in the kitchen. And someone I knew, someone at the Post, who said, oh, yeah, because I've had lots of company there and people. And they came up to my apartment and they said, how do you like bathing in your kitchen? I say, that is the most civilized place to bathe. Do you want to bathe where you go to the toilet? How primitive and barbaric is that? So, yeah, so I have this bathtub and I still have that apartment and um, it's fun. So, yeah, they featured me there in a little article. It was during COVID and I had calls from all over the country Said, oh, yeah, I've been in that bathtub. It's It was just really fun. It was a kind of uplifting story during a not-so-uplifting time and um, it did get around that story. How did you find that? Oh, I researched you quite a bit before you Aww. came on the show. And so there were many factoids that came up that were awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But you didn't know I grew up in Wanto, did you? <laughs> no. So Alan and I, it turns out, have discovered I grew up in a town called North Belmore. He grew up in Wanto, like about a mile from each other. Yes. <laughs> yes. At the same time. Yes. 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 So... Well, Alan, this is Dare to Dream. What are you next, Dare to Dream? What are your future dreams and goals? Well, my it's along these lines. How do we really, because this book is an introduction. How do we really understand something that's beyond our level of cognition? So New Realities is about, I dream of New Realities. What does that mean to meet the unknown? How do we prepare ourselves for something we have no context for. And we do that by just opening our minds and not being attached to the known and letting the impossible. Everyone fears the impossible because they think it's awful, but the imp- that's only the possible, that's only the known. The unknown is full of miracles and surprises and yet-to-be-imagined possibilities. So I'm dreaming of pulling in a greater awareness of the next level of reality that is at our doorstep and how will that change us fundamentally as human beings? How will it expand our intelligence, our knowledge, our awareness? What will that do to our relationships with each other and our understanding of time and space? We think those are absolute fixtures, but maybe they're just an aspect of the conscious mind. So there's so much to discover. So I'm there looking for it every day. What's the next thing to discover? So I'm dreaming of the unknown. Beautiful. Thank you so much for doing the work you do and spearheading and being so brave. 
courage mm-hmm. means in spite of fear. And I don't know if you ever felt fear, but allowing yourself to live out loud and sing the song you came here to sing. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. No, I, I've always been excited. The only fear was like, oh, my God, did I get abducted? And then I worked through that. But it's like, okay, what's the next level? What is it? So it's really not, I mean, yeah, maybe. No, I don't think it's, well, some people might say courage. But I just follow my excitement, as Bashar says, right? Follow your excitement, and it will lead you everywhere. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful yeah. way to end this. And, and beautiful note to everyone and a reminder to also follow your excitement and whatever is your mission to do and be here on this planet at this auspicious time. If you want to find out more about Alan, go to youtube.com slash new realities. His book is Making Contact. And I will have the URL for the Making Contact video five-part series, highly recommended. Most of the people in his book and also also in this video series have been on the show, so I know you guys love these people. Definitely worth it. I've been watching it myself. And I end the show with this quote from physicist Stephen Hawking. I believe alien life is quite common in the universe, although intelligent life is less so. Some say it is yet to appear on planet Earth. Subscribe to this number one transformation conversation, the weekly Dare to Dream podcast with Debbie Dashinger. Leave me a message, comment. I read all of them and I get back to you. And I've got coming up next week, Dr. Megan Rose, who is a psycho-spiritual counselor and director of the Entheosis, Entheosis, excuse me, Entheosis Institute. She and I are going to be speaking about her book, Spirit, Marriage, Intimate Relationships with Otherworldly Beings. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to follow your excitement and dare to create all your dreams into your reality. To contact the award-winning syndicated Dare to Dream radio show, go to DebbieDashinger.com. Keep your excellent feedback and comments coming. Your host, Debbie Dashinger, is an expert at goal achievement, a media personality, an international best-selling author, and a keynote speaker. Debbie leads high-quality teleseminars on how to achieve goals, how to be a self-published best-selling author, and how to get booked on radio. All classes are at DebbieDashinger.com. Debbie's best-selling books are Dare to Dream, This Life Counts, sold on Amazon, and her second book, Wisdom to Success, The Secrets to Accomplish All Your Dreams, sold online at all bookstores. Tune in again to hear the next inspiring interview guest who has turned their vision into a successful reality. Want more support in making your dreams come true? Go to DebbieDashinger.com. That's www.debibidashinger.com. You'll see videos, MP3s, archived interviews, and amazing products sharing the secret steps to making your dreams come true. Remember to dream big with every expectation that your dream will become real. Dreams are free, so free your dreams. What do you dare to dream?
Well, I'm standing out, waiting for my time. 